Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On my seventh birthday, my mother made me a race car cake. She stayed up the previous night until pale sunlight began to filter through the thin white and blue checkered curtains of our small kitchen window. I know this because I drank one too many cups of apple juice at dinner and my bladder could only take so much. I remember how tired she looked when I peered into the kitchen on my way to the bathroom and how all I cared about at the time was that she'd chosen the wrong color for the frosting. I thought pink and purple were too girly. I don't remember much of my birthday party. Erica Sander tipped a chair so far back that she toppled right over and her mother took her home early, scolding her about safety as she struggled with our barely functional front door. George McCullough showed us how he could snort milk through his nose. I threw a tantrum over the girly colors of my cake. My stepfather demanded that everyone leave early, red in the face, barely holding composure. I woke up in the hospital several hours later, confused, ears ringing, dark bruises on my neck, near one eye, and obscuring both sides of my head. I couldn't hear the doctor's words as he smiled warmly and welcomed me back into consciousness. I couldn't hear my mother's cries, couldn't even hear my own screams. My stepfather moved out several days later. My story begins 14 years after that birthday party. It wasn't too common for head trauma to result in deafness, but I'd never been all that lucky. Despite spending two-thirds of my life without hearing, I'd never quite adjusted to the lonely life of a deaf introvert. When I walked through the crowded streets of my city, I used to wish I could hear the conversation, the loud cars, the bustle and rushing of businessmen. How foolish I was to wish I could hear at all. The warm glow of the setting sun told me that I'd once again lost track of time, wading through endless deadlines and paperwork. I scolded myself for working extra hours, robbing myself of precious moments of gloomy isolation back at my apartment. Finally, on the bus home, I settled my briefcase in my lap and began to map out my evening in my head. It only took a few lurching stops of the bus for me to notice that the small screen that usually displayed the name of the upcoming stop wasn't working. Cursing silently under my breath, I strained my eyes to see through the foggy windows, but it was too blurry for me to make out any familiar shapes. Thinking quickly, I tapped the shoulder of the woman sitting behind me. 
She turned to look at me, clearly annoyed, and I held up a finger to signal her to wait. I hurriedly pulled out a piece of paper and messily scrawled the name of my stop and a short explanation of my situation in the hopes that she could tell me when the driver announced Parkside Drive. When I turned to show her the paper, she had already moved to a new seat. You'd think nearly a decade and a half of being deaf would bring me some experience to deal with a situation like this, but I wasn't good at coping. I sighed and began to count the stops, trying to estimate how many stops I needed to sit through to get to my own. Annoyance bubbled under my skin. Without thinking, I angrily tore the small piece of paper into several pieces, clenching the crumpled bits in my fist. Idiot. I'm sorry, I looked up, irritated, searching for whoever had spoken. I had begun my silent cursing again when it hit me. I had heard. I took a quick glance around, confused, but much to my dismay, everyone around me had gone silent. Was I going mad? I caught a glimpse outside as the door opened and closed. Damn it, I just missed my stop. It was four o'clock in the morning. I'd spent the past six hours in bed, window wide open, straining to hear any hint of sound. I barely cared that I had to work the next day. I'd gotten a taste of what I'd missed for two-thirds of my life, and I wanted more. When a car sped past my building, illuminating my room in a bright white light, I finally got what I'd asked for. What are you waiting for? An answer, I suppose, I replied. My conversation partner did not deliver. I tried to rid my sleep-deprived mind of thoughts about what I'd heard, but my morning routine was distracted and messy. I examined myself in the mirror, trying to smooth away any stray shampoo bubbles I'd missed as I'd absentmindedly rinsed my hair. I had half turned away, and something odd caught my eye. Something was not quite right. As I turned back to investigate, I placed a finger on the glary inconsistency. My reflection hadn't moved an inch. I furrowed my brow and raised one hand into the air. My reflection did the same, steadily holding my gaze. Then he smiled. He waggled his finger at me in a wave. Not even a hello? His voice was a high-pitched giggle. He grinned at me, his smile so wide I thought the tendons in his face might tear apart. I stared back, feeling something between relief and fear. What do you want? My voice was hoarse and shaky from years without use, but I tried to sound as firm as I could. I want what you want. After all, I am you. And what is it that I want? I was nearly too afraid to ask. Just a little justice. Its smile grew wider before it began to fade to match my own expression once more. I took a deep breath and so did my reflection. I slowly backed out of my bathroom and away from the mirror. He was right. I did want justice. It was almost nine o'clock in the morning. 
I'd emailed my boss to let her know I was sick. I suppose that wasn't really a lie. I was lightheaded and nauseous from my encounter, but I knew what I had to do. My first stop was the hardware store. I picked up a length of rope, but the voice of my reflection corrected me. Duct tape will do better. I haphazardly tossed a roll of duct tape and a crowbar onto the counter. Glancing at the digital numbers displaying my total, I handed the cashier a wad of crumpled bills and headed out with my supplies. Now, go get him. You know he never left the building. My voice directed me onto a bus, and before I knew it, I was headed into an eerily familiar part of the city. The houses grew smaller and shabbier as we went, lawns losing their perfectly even green to be replaced with overgrown weeds and dead brown grass. Then, even the houses began to dwindle, towering, dark, damp apartment buildings taking their place. A chill shook me to the bone, and my clammy hands quivered as though they were freezing. The bus let me off, and my heartbeat grew louder and rougher. I walked slowly until my voice commanded me to quicken my pace. The elevator groaned as it ascended, and I felt as though I might groan too. Anxiety racked my bones, but my steps had become sure. Knock. You know his home. I sucked in one deep breath and wrapped my knuckles against the door. What? A gruff voice responded from inside. I didn't dare answer. What? Footsteps pounded angrily, closer and closer. My stepfather yanked the door open, his face a deep shade of red that I remembered all too well. He opened his mouth, taken aback by the sight of the stepson he hadn't seen in nearly 14 years. But before he could speak, I had struck him with a crowbar. He crumpled to the ground, and I nearly didn't recognize the sight of him on the floor. He was weak, arms limp at his side, powerless. I acted quickly, using the duct tape to restrain his arms and legs, placing one final piece over his mouth in the hopes of muffling any screams. I just finished when my stepfather began to awaken. Impeccable timing, just like in the movies. My reflection began to giggle that high-pitched giggle, and all I wanted to do was cover my ears and drown it out. My stepfather's eyes fluttered open, widening suddenly as they met mine. He tried to scream, but it was no use. What's the matter, Dad? Cat got your tongue? I spat at him, mimicking the words he'd used to torment me before he left, taunting me as I cowered silently in fear. As he screamed muffled protests, I pulled a knife from my bag and held it to his throat. I'll bet you want me to make it fast, I sneered. Blood pounded in my head, and all I could think of was the sting of his fist against my face, his fingers tight around my wrists as he held me back from escaping. I let the tip of the blade slice into his skin, and his screams got more desperate. I didn't feel guilty as I toyed with him, mutilating his face, slicing out his tongue, removing his ear slowly, painfully. Blood dripped from my hands and from the deep gashes in his skin. 
I played the scene over and over my head as I rode my bus home. I was almost frightened by the rush I'd gotten as I plunged my knife into his skull, finally finishing the job. I knew I'd get caught. I wasn't careful. I just didn't care. Did he deserve to die? My voice startled me out of thought. I rolled my eyes and ignored it. Did he deserve to die? I was asked again as I entered my apartment. Maybe, maybe not. At the very least, he deserved to pay. I finally responded. So you get to play God? You get to dole out punishments as you see fit? My voice giggled. You told me to do this. You're not so innocent yourself. You're right. I'm not. My voice taunted. I am you, and you are guilty. Guilty of what? Giving that piece of crap what he deserved? You killed a man. You killed someone, and you don't feel remorse. I didn't know what to say. I headed to the bathroom to wash the last of his blood from underneath my fingernails. My eyes were drawn to the mirror above the sink, but I regretted looking up before my eyes even met my own. He grinned gleefully as he met my gaze. You're a murderer. You're no better than me. He cackled. I stared back at him. I wanted to scream. I wanted to shout and shake his shoulders and make him understand that I gave my stepfather no less than he deserved. Killer. Killer. His laughs grew higher, wilder, tormenting me as he pointed an accusing finger. What's going on, son? Cat got your tongue? He giggled. He stared me down as he lifted my bloody knife into view. I backed away instinctively, words still on the verge of spilling over my tongue. My reflection stayed put. I could hear my heart pounding in my ears. I stared in disbelief as he took his tongue between two fingers and raised the blade against it. My mouth was slightly agape, but I couldn't breathe, couldn't speak. Blood dribbled down his chin, and I could hear the droplets fall to the floor as well, as if they were in the same room with me. I slowly lifted my fingers to my own lips, to find that they were wet. Tentatively, I glanced down to find what I had feared. The floor was darkened at my feet with a gathering pool of blood. I opened my mouth, but while I felt a shriek escape my throat, all I could hear was the guttural choking laugh of my reflection. I will never speak again. I've broken every mirror in my apartment. All I can do is sit and wait for the consequences of my crimes to unfold, or at least, further consequences. <laughs>